We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Over and welcome back to Rotovitz Overtime and Rotovitz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, and as always, I am joined by Sean Siegel. Sean, we had our Monday recap, I guess Sunday, your time, Monday, my time. I'm still figuring out what we call it. Maybe I'll just call it the Week 4 Recap Show. It came out early this week for people to get our immediate reactions to most of the NFL games on Sunday. But we will be talking about some of the games we didn't touch on there. We'll be talking a little bit about Monday Night Football, obviously, which... No surprise it was on Monday night, but we're going to talk through some of the scenarios there. We're going to look ahead to everything else with a rest of season perspective. Sean, another week in the books, one month into the season. It is flying by. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to this particular week because as I've teased a few times, I've had a few people reach out. I'm heading over to London for this weekend's game with the Packers facing off against the New York Giants. So it'll be an interesting week for me from that perspective. Not every week I get to go to an nfl game so looking forward to that but how are you feeling as we approach nfl week five excited for more football right we gotta get back going again hopefully not have the rain take out a couple of players Monday night football i think a great way to wrap it up obviously not as much if you're a rams fan but the san francisco 49ers played extremely well that looks like a super bowl defense if we've ever seen one and with jimmy garoppolo pulling the trigger even against the rams Frankly, well above average defense. The 49ers look pretty good there. One of the things that's kind of interesting here as I go through the strength of schedule streaming tool, we see that both the 49ers and a couple of other high-profile teams like the Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers, the Cincinnati Bengals have been in the bottom six for opponent strength of schedule to this point. And the reason that I bring that up Brandon Ayuk shut down last night. The 49ers have one of the top seven remaining schedules. I think that's pretty exciting. This is a time to go out and buy him. He's not going to face that kind of coverage every week. And this offense now with Debo and George Kittle firing on all cylinders. I think those guys individually are going to have some big games. We got the big game from Debo Samuel on this one. Six catches, 115 yards. He has the 57-yard 
catch and run touchdown where he sheds tacklers at multiple points. Debo looks like he's going to be the guy who is a first, second round turn value, just like he has been. We don't really know what the team would have looked like with Kyle Pitts. You watch how this defense is playing right now, and you sort of wonder if it'll end up being a blessing in disguise. You hate to say that. You hate to think that. And I think that Trey Lance will come back and eventually be a good starting quarterback for this team. But the 49ers, despite only being 2-2, two and two, they look like they're going to be a lot to handle going forward. This is a game where Kittle only catches two of his four targets for 24 yards. He originally was given a touchdown, even though it was a bad miss by the officials. And he was way out. I think he understood that he was way out. Uh, he was kind of looking down at his feet as he made the catch. A little bit of a Kyle Pitts-ish game for Kittle here, showing that it can happen to a variety of the top tight ends. Frankly, Darren Waller and George Kittle, Kittle in part because of the groin injury, all three of those guys, extremely disappointing fantasy performances through the first month. On the flip side of that, we see Tyler Higby with 10 catches in this game yesterday. Now, because Allen Robinson just can't get anything going, he only catches two of his six targets. We have Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby combining for 24 receptions, 33 targets. Both of them average less than nine yards per catch as the Rams had to funnel everything underneath. Colin, it's a relief and a good feeling to know that we helped listeners avoid that Allen Robinson landmine. This is one of the reasons why it just it's important to fade so much of the news, so much of what you hear from team sources, and focus on the analysis. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be some potential situations where what was coming out of camp was correct, right? One of the things I think is the most frustrating at a lesser importance level, but most frustrating is how the Denver Broncos are using Albert O through the first month. Uh, This has been kind of bizarre. At the time of the Russell Wilson trade, I thought this might work out for both teams. They were going to be unlocking both Noah Fant and Albert O. The reason for the Seahawks to make the trade in part is that you're making a move for a first round pick, a former first round pick who has panned out is a good NFL player brings elite athleticism and receiving ability to your team. One of the reasons that it makes sense for the Denver Broncos is that you have a guy who might be even more talented lurking behind him. So you have the depth of the position to make that move. Now in both of these teams defenses, they have used their peripheral tight ends effectively. The play calling with those tight ends has been interesting the packages that they've deployed that use a lot of tight ends and use blocking tight ends effectively on some of the other players, especially I think on the Seahawks side, the Broncos look like a team that's sort of in turmoil from a coaching perspective, or at least a team that's still getting its sea legs under it. A lot of strange moves here, not using Javante Williams enough. Now, I mean, he gets hurt in that game, but it's not something that you can necessarily predict. It's not something where you can say, well, we were trying to, call plays suboptimally in order to protect him for the long term you know that you don't want to overwork the running backs but the whole point of having them on the team in the first place and trying to win football games with that talent is that you go out and get that done they weren't doing that they haven't used fan one of the things that has been a little bit of a talking point the last several days is you have the long kj hamler catch they've mentioned getting him more involved even though they've actually been de-emphasizing him this is a situation where you have 
a new coaching staff that doesn't seem to understand the talent that they have. We know they have the high-profile issue with getting the plays out on time. They've been doing a better job with that. Russell Wilson looked better in week four, even though they actually lose this game to a previously win winless Las Vegas Raiders squad. Even though the AFC West has been a disappointing division and the NFC West as well, a disappointing division, we saw in that Raiders-Broncos game that it's still going to be a battle with those teams. As Justin Herbert gets healthier, we're going to have a four-way competition there where the Raiders, even though they're one and three, probably still an above average team. That's going to be tough. And now we watch this game on the NFC West side on Monday night. Obviously, the Rams, the Super Bowl defending champions, aren't just going to go away, even though they have some real issues. They can't run the ball. And it's too early probably to say that these are rising teams again, but the Arizona Cardinals have managed to beat two of the, the lesser teams. They were able to at least vanquish the Carolina Panthers. We saw the Seattle Seahawks go out there. And Geno Smith has been one of the biggest surprises and one of the best stories of the 2022 season. That part of the move for Seattle has looked very, very good. Call them our deep super flex best ball teams many of which are in the FFPC, those teams are looking pretty good. Have a lot of Jerry Goff, a lot of Geno Smith. Uh, we took a little bit of a, an aggressive gunslinger approach to some of those leagues. I mean, it's not the way that the roster construction explorer will tell you to do it, but I think if you're going to play so many leagues that have similarities, when you get out there and you're in those super flex leagues, it is a lot of fun to just switch things up a little bit, do something a little bit different, take some chances. If you can't take some chances in a $35 super flex best ball league then you probably can't take any chances probably can't take any chances um you mentioned the monday night football and some of the repercussions coming out of it matthew stafford obviously goes up against a very good defense in this he, i don't think he's looked all that good so far this season we talked about some of the concerns we had coming into the season from his side when we look at who's playing then so we have cooper cup we have tyler higby that are probably usable on that side the running backs are still going to get played in darrell henderson and cam Akers, but there's not a great run game there at the moment from either of those guys and outside of that it's very hard to th trust any of the rams players when you're starting them but there was talk obviously with trey lance how he would support this offense in the passing game and unfortunately with his injury that means jimmy garoppolo is now in there garoppolo is doing enough to move this offense the other player i think who came out of this game looking pretty good was jeff wilson jr 18 carries for 74 yards and a touchdown one of those been a, a very long rush but he looked pretty electric on that one george kettle i think is one of the i should uh, let's put kyle pitts in the the matchup as well but he is one of the most underutilized players from an actual passing game perspective i think he should be used a lot more in this but debo looking great a lot of missed tackles on that long touchdown but you gotta break through those and make them and uh, he did that there brant nyuk i think as you mentioned is a by low rest of season i had a look when you were talking sean they are eighth rest of season for wide receivers and it starts to come up with uh, some pretty mouth-watering matchups for them over the next month or so so i think this might be one of the the final chances to try and buy in low on, on brant nyuk i feel like we know the players who are going to have success in this offense and there is going to be some disappointing weeks with them but there's also going to be some huge huge weeks going along with uh, the san francisco 49ers pass catchers and uh, hopefully we see more of that you mentioned the the panthers and cardinals we did touch on it briefly in the recap show but christian mccaffrey is somebody who you noted and the piece that you released on monday in terms of some of the huge performances you did say from out of fashion running backs but he would be one of the fashionable ones that you did mention 
is there some signs that the way they used him in the passing game this week have maybe revitalized some enthusiasm for his usage and then unfortunately we obviously well fortunately we get as positive news as we could have hoped with Jonathan Taylor that it isn't a long-term injury they play Thursday night football I wouldn't expect him to go there but it's not going to be you know a rest of season sort of scenario like we do have with Javante Williams so Christian McCaffrey now kind of vaults himself potentially into a position back into those top three running backs who are healthy at the moment yeah I mean this is looking a lot like Austin Eckler Saquon Barkley and everybody else Eckler a lot of issues as well still going forward but this was a big week for the road of his matchup tools I'd mentioned that we talked a lot about Dave Cabin's passing matchup Raider on the Saturday episode of Stealing Bananas last week it was just kind of cool to look through at the big results from week four at the running back position and we have seven running backs with multiple touchdowns five of those backs came from the best seven matchups in the strength of schedule streaming tool this week and the number one matchup was the los angeles chargers versus the houston texans anytime that you can play your guys against the texans you're going to want to do that we had seattle against detroit detroit against seattle again that game shootout and a lot of running back points as well you have tennessee with derrick henry lighting up the indianapolis colts christian mccaffrey his situation i think interesting during his 2019 season where he averages almost 30 points per game he also had about nine targets per game 8.9 so just below he had nine or more targets in 10 of 16 appearances. Just, I mean, consider that's absolutely crazy when you think about the, the amount of involvement in the passing game. Those are, you're tempted to say those are Cooper Cup types of numbers, but Cooper Cup's still obviously operating in a different category there. But those are crazy numbers, right? This was his fourth game with nine or more targets since Matt Rule took over. Obviously, in that situation, I mean, he's missed a lot of games during that stretch, but he's still been underutilized. That was one of the bizarre things from week three. And one of the really concerning things from week three is they just pound him into the line over and over and over. That's not getting the value from him. He also had some air yards in this game, which was nice to see. We talk a lot about how his route running is really second to none. If you're just dropping the ball off to him on screens, you're not really using him effectively. So to have him score near the end of the game, that part was really cool. It was really cool that it's this spinning touchdown between defenders where Baker Mayfield actually does get the ball in there. McCaffrey goes up and makes the play in double coverage. That part of it cool, but that it was a downfield target, a real route. All of those things, very, very promising. If nothing else, you think that maybe the different types of criticism and maybe it's not even criticism, just the awareness that, look, we got to use this guy a little bit more effectively as opposed to using him in a way that's going to get him hurt. This was a positive game from that perspective. I think that the big picture trends are still pretty negative, right? They didn't move the ball very well. They were humiliated by an Arizona Cardinals team, which frankly is probably not particularly good. The Panthers running back matchups through the rest of the year are still in the bottom 10. That part of it you don't like to see. And that kind of brings us back a little bit to, is there an exploitable opportunity from this Monday night game where unfortunately the Rams don't appear set on a running back. 
They give eight carries to Cam Akers, and he only gains 13 yards. That's not the type of urgency that they've been asking to see from him. And you say urgency, I mean, there's only so much a player can do, right? Unless you are a Jonathan Taylor or a Christian McCaffrey. And, and then even much of the time when you're those guys, I mean, what we've seen from Jonathan Taylor through the first month is that if there are absolutely no holes, if the defense doesn't have to respect your passing game at all, if you're encountering your first defender in the backfield, but multiple defenders in the backfield, you know, you're going to end up with a pretty lousy final line in many cases. That's what the Rams backs were dealing with in this game. But when you have 15 carries and you combine for 40 yards, yeah, I mean, you're going to keep shuffling guys in and out, hoping for a spark. But the main thing is just your entire offense has to play a lot better. I mean, Daryl Henderson looks like he has been de-emphasized and yet he does still come out ahead in this game because he does catch three of his four targets now those only go for 12 yards there was just no room to run for anybody at any time in this game it was one of the most complete and dominating defensive performances you'll ever see including a pick six but because you have an offense that is run by sean mcveigh and again it's his genius in many ways that led them to the championship last year when you have a well above average quarterback like Matthew Stafford, who has unlocked Cooper Cup. When you have a Cooper Cup, you're thinking, I mean, Cam Akers is somebody that we want to buy low on. And yet you go and look at the matchups and they rank dead last rest of season. There are other things involved than just purely matchups. And we know that the strength of defensive ability can shift quite a lot with injuries. As the season goes forward, they can shift quite a lot based on how they want to play individual opponents. But when you have the very worst matchups going forward, then you need a number of things to break right to get to even just a neutral type of situation to run against as the season progresses. That part is tough. I think that Acres is probably interesting by low in Dynasty, but given how difficult the schedule is going to be for so much of the year, you might even wait for a lower point. I mean, he's not going to be free, but he's going to be very inexpensive as we sort of head toward the fantasy playoffs with managers who are competing for titles needing to get in there and make a move to shore up that part of the roster, just get themselves some running back points. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a tricky one with the Rams in particular. I'm not really sold that it's going to, I feel that Super Bowl hangover is going to continue to to eat away at them a little bit as the, the season does move along here. Sean, the next team we're going to talk about is the early game from Sunday, which was the London game. It was the Vikings and the Saints. The Vikings edging out that one just about. There was a double dunk at the end for a field goal, which could have brought it to overtime. That one doesn't make it in. Just, just if you're talking about missing field goals, Sean, that's as close as you can come to not making it. But the big story of this game, obviously, was that Alvin Kamara did not play in it. We've seen Latavius Murray in the backfield. We've seen Mark Ingram. We've seen Taysom Hill. We've seen Murray and Hill both make it into the end zone. Andy Dalton. Not doing a huge amount through the air, but the, the big player for them through the air was Chris Olave, who gets four receptions, 67 yards and one touchdown, getting his first touchdown in the NFL. He's looking really, really strong so far through those opening four weeks of the season. There might have been some concern that with you know his quarterback change, Andy Dalton being in there rather than Jameson Winston, he may not have seen the same target share, but things continued, which was a very positive sign for him. On the Vikings side, Justin Jefferson had a monster day 10 for 147 for him through the air. He does get in the end zone, but it is as a rushing touchdown on an end around one for three and a touchdown going his way. Dalvin Cook doesn't get in the end zone, 76 yards for him. Does miss out on a short passing touchdown to Alexander Madison in this. He goes off just a play or two before, kind of for a breather and, and misses out on that potential opportunity. But this game, Sean, kind of the stars did their thing. There wasn't a huge amount else to talk about, but really positive to see Justin Jefferson's usage spike back up after what had been kind of week two and week three had been slightly disappointed after another humongous week one for him. So two massive weeks, two quiet weeks. We're hoping to see more of those big weeks moving forward. We are. And the contrast here with the 147 yards on the 13 targets with where Cooper Cup was and everything underneath uh, an interesting one. Both of these guys can get down the field. Obviously, Jefferson's going to have more of those opportunities and still probably end up with the high target numbers. You love to see him involved with this rushing score down by the goal line. It's just another way that you can boost those fantasy totals. If you take away that touchdown, it's a good, not great game. You add that touchdown in and he gets the 30 points and that is a weak winner for you. This one also could have been a lot bigger because he is missed wide open in the end zone by Kirk Cousins in this game. Kirk Cousins is just one of those guys where it's it's so tricky to watch him play and know what to think because he makes a ton of throws with great anticipation. He has a deep sideline pass where he beats Marshawn Lattimore off the line, and that ball is dropped in there almost like a handoff, you know, 20, 30 yards down the field, soft as a feather, just the most gorgeous thing you'll ever see. And then he has all of these inaccurate floaters behind wide open players, and you're, you're trying to figure out if it's the same guy. Now, 
we get a lot of that too on the other side from Andy Dalton. These are similar quarterbacks in many ways. Partly it's just, it's going to be difficult to bring that level of brilliance to every single NFL throw. When you see players like a Patrick Mahomes who does it more frequently, then, I mean, that's how you get to be Patrick Mahomes and you get to have a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. But Kirk Cousins, even though, you know, he only averages 7.2 per attempt in this one, actually trumped pretty significantly by Andy Dalton from that perspective he did have a nice game except for this wide open miss of jefferson in the end zone now there's a possibility that he expected jefferson to run that route at a slightly different angle that's the only real explanation because he throws it about a yard and a half behind him jefferson very frustrated because of another play where he had beaten Lattimore, and obviously they spent the game having a lot of fun jawing at each other this was one of the matchups that you're looking to see Jefferson wins it pretty easily, as has been the case a lot of occasions over the last several years with elite players going up against Lattimore. But uh, such a fun one there. And Andy Dalton does play extremely well. At one point in this one, down toward the end, he was 19 for 23. He does throw four more incompletions late as they're battling to get into field goal range. You mentioned the double doink at the end. That was kind of a heartbreaker. This was a big game for Will Lutz who had knocked down a 60-yarder. And so that's on a 61-yard field goal. He had knocked down a 60-yarder on the previous possession. And the other little note with Chris Olave, I had sort of assumed uh, until I had a chance to watch this game that the 467 and one, a lot of that came late as they were down by a pretty decent margin Yeah, in this game. But it didn't. It it came early. And so that part of it... Either way, it's a positive, but when you're not getting those yards in garbage time, when you're getting them as the game just develops naturally, that I think a plus. He is the guy who puts the team on his back, at least to an extent, here with Michael Thomas out. Yes, they do have Jarvis Landry, but things are going in the wrong direction fast for him. He catches both of his targets, but for only seven yards, that 3.5 average is is maybe an unfortunate hearkening back to the days and the criticism of him and the minuscule a dot this was a fun one these two teams looked good i think this team actually looks a little bit better with andy dalton especially if they had had alvin Kamara, if they had had michael thomas i'd like to see him play here i think they he probably gives them a little bit better chance to win than Jameis winston who has a little bit more of the all-or-nothing approach, throws all of those interceptions, which hurt the team at the same time. But then again, Colin, again, I'm not exactly unbiased. I've been a long-term mild Andy Dalton fan. I think if I say that I'm a mild Andy Dalton fan, uh, listeners will know that I mean that he probably is usually in that 29th to 32nd best NFL quarterback. Doesn't mean that he's a top 15 starter. Yeah, so uh, no, it's nice to see Dalton coming in and, uh, you know, unfortunately he didn't eke out the, the result, but he did look pretty good. I thought this was, in terms of games that are in London, who obviously are in that hugely early morning slot for you, Sean, your time zone, but um, they're usually not that good, I'll I'll say. And uh, this game I thought was really competitive and it was pretty good throughout. Fun stat for people listening in for you, Sean. So far in the NFL London games, how many games have there been where both teams had a winning record? zero zero is correct this week is the first game the giants are three and one the packers are three and one the first time ever in the international series in the london games that both teams have had a winning record so there's been some very poor games served up over the years in london so 
hopefully we're we're on to, to some nice games here over the, the next couple of years the other team sean you mentioned the rookie wide receiver noah lavi who has looked good another rookie who is looking very good is Jahan dodson we did talk a little bit about the cowboys and the washington commanders in our recap but the part i wanted to get to you here is the the commanders have not been a fun team to watch uh in terms of the overall play at the quarterback position carson wentz in this one 170 yards one touchdown two interceptions no pass catcher for washington over 43 yards that was dotson who led the way there i think we're going to be on team rookies get on the pitch at the quarterback position we get Pickett, who is going to be on the field now for the Steelers. You know, we have a couple of teams around the league that we're hoping that we see rookie quarterbacks supplant the veteran players at the moment. But the Carson Wentz trade looks to continue to be baffling. I don't think that is going to change. I spent some time over in Washington when I was over for the FF Expo and uh, the Sports Talk Radio, which Zachary Kruger forced me to listen to. They were very, very high at that moment on Carson Wentz, and he was going to be the savior of this roster. He is not going to be the savior, but is it? And is there a chance from a fantasy football perspective that Sam Howell comes in and be the, the hero here? You'd like to think, right? I mean, this is a team that needs that type of arm strength, that type of release, that type of athleticism. And those are all elements that Carson Wentz has gotten some credit for at times. He does have a decent arm, but not a consistently accurate deep arm. Doesn't have the ability to pull the trigger quickly which again with the way that this team is playing overall you need so many of his passes when he's under any type of pressure just come out like scud missiles and <laughs> you look at someone like a terry mclaurin and it's just so frustrating that mclaurin is not somebody that we were on again he was more or less on the do not draft list because and you know there should have been other players on that list. I mean, DJ Moore should have stayed on the list. But McLaurin in this situation where there are other guys, a situation where the quarterback play is going to be very poor, and a situation where he's had a hard time living up to some of the impressive elements of his peripherals, like the air yards profile, which has consistently been among the best in the NFL, you see another game here where it just it really doesn't matter if he's targeted down the field because all of those plays are going to fall incomplete. Now, from a DFS perspective, are there going to be individual weeks when we talk about a 17-game season where he does hit and you're going to get him worked into that lineup in a positive way? I think so, but even that is tricky at this point. And one of the frustrations, I think, for both Dotson and McLaurin is that Curtis Samuel has worked in in a way that splits these targets now, right? Samuel ends up with seven in this game. That is the team lead. You actually, and a lot of this was in garbage time, but you get 12 combined targets for John Bates and Logan Thomas. So you have 12 targets siphoned off for the tight ends. This is a game where Dotson does lead the way with that 343 and one on his four targets. He leaves the game late. It sounds like he may miss a week or two, which would be too bad. He's been really the bright spot for this team. I was a little bit surprised. They did some sort of cool next gen stats on his receiving touchdown they put that catch probability i believe at 28 percent. it was something in that range and i also believe he was maybe the first receiver to have two touchdowns this season that were both at that low probability i will give wentz credit for that throw i thought when i i thought that was one of the best throws i've seen him make in a long time it's it's a very nice throw it's an nfl quarterback throw it's a starter caliber throw 
But I mean, Dotson is separated by an absolute mile, right? And this ball didn't have to be put in this tiny little window. Now, because you're talking about a throw kind of deep into the corner of the end zone, that's always difficult. It's always one of those reasons why we come back and are frustrated by these fade types of plays a little bit different than that one where the receivers are having to deal with this ball over the shoulder with defensive attention, with the sideline there. There were a number of really close sideline end zone targets this week, most of which sadly ended up being incomplete, at least if you're rooting for the offensive players in those circumstances. This one, a lot more room to work with there. So I think the NFL quarterback has to be able to make that throw. I was surprised that the catch probability was listed as being so low. It looked fairly routine with the way that Dotson had separated by so much early. He does then make the nice catch. He's somebody who is outperforming his yardage numbers pretty significantly due to the touchdowns in the early going. But with the route percentage he's had, he's probably underperformed from a yardage perspective. Unfortunately, that again, in all likelihood, comes back to Carson Wentz and just how bad that he has been. One of the somewhat bizarre things about watching the Washington Commanders play is you do get this continual stream of compliments from the commentators. And I think that only makes sense in a lot of ways. They have interactions with the coaches. They're not necessarily looking to, number one, you're not looking to go out there and rip on people. And one of the reasons that we emphasize in so many different situations that an injured player you know, it makes a lot more difference for him as a person. And in many of these cases where we say, this guy is not very high up in our prospect rankings, but we hope that we're wrong because I mean, we want these players who are people to go out and succeed in their endeavors just in the same way that we hope they're not rooting against us and our endeavors in life. So you're going to have a lot of that spill into the commentary on Sunday. I think that is positive, but the general outlook that we get from the NFL community looking at the way Carson Wentz is playing does seem to be just a pure denial of reality. And especially then when you contrast that with some of the things that some of the backups can do. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky is a guy who has a big arm and can make some really serious throws, is a good athlete. If you look at Trubisky versus Wentz, I don't know that there's a, a great reason to believe that, I mean, Wentz is any better than Trubisky is, right? You look at the last couple of weeks, and also we should note that Carson Wentz did some very nice things in the first couple of weeks, scored a lot of fantasy points, which is nice for people who you know, have him in a best ball circumstance. I don't think that there could have been too many leagues where he was starting in redraft. And even after the first couple of weeks, there were leagues in which people were refusing to pick him up precisely because the next couple of weeks were still being anticipated. Over the last couple of weeks, he breaks dead last in the NFL in yards per attempt. He's managed to take 11 sacks. His passing air conversion rate, so his pacer there, is at 0.6. That's down in the humorous range with Mitchell Trubisky, who was benched, and Marcus Mariota, who was like benched in the game. He was only allowed to hand the ball off the rest of the way. And even then, when you look at that, Marcus Mariota has a very different yards per attempt due to a very different target depth that he's dealing with. And so you expect the air conversion rate to be a lot different when you're different when you're dealing with very different target depth. So from that perspective, and it's really Wentz that is down there by himself. Again, you're talking about just two weeks. He could bounce back. There is a level of adversity that he's dealing with as the commanders get way behind in these games. But a lot of that, again, has to deal with him. Even in week two, where he put up a lot of points, they are scoreless. And at halftime, he gets the Detroit Lions. 
I think the Seattle Seahawks and the other NFL teams have illustrated at this point that you can score points on the Detroit Lions and you should be. And so uh, we'd love to see Sam Howell, but we're very biased. We have a lot of Howell in various fantasy formats. We were very high on him as a prospect. I do think that we're getting toward that area of the season though already where it makes sense to give him a look and see what you have. The only way that you benefit from having made the decision to draft him. And I mean, you can look at this from a front office perspective of, okay, well, we spent this for Carson Wentz. We're going to look really silly if we bench him, but you're going to look worse if you continue to play poorly for a long time. The flip side of it is that you made this amazing decision to go ahead and pull the trigger on Sam Howell, who probably should have been a top 10 draft pick put him out there and reap the benefits because then you look like geniuses. The hard part is just that it's going to be difficult for a rookie QB thrown into this environment, especially if he doesn't have Jahan Dotson in the beginning, but, but there are so many cool weapons on this offense. You have Dotson, you have Samuel, you have Terry McLaurin, you have Gibson, you may have Brian Robinson coming back in the very short term. That's currently the scuttle, but I think the Washington commanders could be a lot of fun We'll see what they do going forward here. If you're in the situation, Colin, I'm in a lot of leagues where originally had Trey Lance and maybe Justin Fields as the backup. You lose Lance. Fields, obviously unplayable. Marcus Mariota, another one of those guys who is a dual threat option. You plug him in, but now you can't really play him because it's not just that this was a bad game. You're going to have some bad games from time to time. As a fantasy manager, you understand that nobody is completely and totally foolproof. You're going to have some down games, but you can't start someone who could get benched because you do need garbage time as a potential escape hatch if the first three quarters go poorly, right? I mean, one of the reasons why late round quarterback has always been so effective and continues to be more effective, I think, than people realize is that there's this immense leveling effect at the QB position where if you are a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen or an Aaron Rodgers and you dominate the first three quarters, then you don't have the volume that you need to continue to pile on points and get to that, say, 40 point per game level or not even per game, but individual game level on a consistent basis that you potentially could get from a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen if they needed to go all the way out every game. The flip side of that is that if you don't score any points through three quarters, then you got to pass, 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 and you end up with these sort of crazy attempt numbers. For example, in that Bucks chiefs game where Tom Brady, I believe, sets a personal record for con consecutive pass attempts in that one, you get that balancing, but if your guy gets benched and yanked, then you're looking at a potential four, a potential five. That kind of score at the QB position won't work. As we look forward, I think stashing someone like a picket or adding someone like a picket and then stashing someone like a Willis or a Howell, those are interesting plays, again, because they have such perfect fantasy profiles. And you would imagine that the mistakes made in the first half of the game are going to lead to plenty of garbage time in the second half of the game. And again, the coaches know that as well, which is one of the reasons why they're going to be reluctant to go to those guys as the quarterback. So uh, an interesting dynamic, I think, potentially playing out in the future there. You want to make sure that you stay at least a little bit of a step ahead with it, be forward thinking, forward looking as a fantasy manager. Yeah, and I think, you know, some of the conversation in the preseason, and I could get back to this again, but 
that you know we could have a quarterback change in Tennessee. I think Ryan Tannehill and the team are doing well enough as things stand that I don't see that in the the cards at the moment. Maybe later in the season, but in Atlanta, I think you know in Washington potentially, and then in Carolina, I think are the places where we're expecting those to maybe happen over the next couple of weeks. So they are certainly quarterbacks that I would be looking to stash if that is possible and um, the other part just when we're talking quarterbacks Blair Andrews had a fun piece up on the website over the last couple of days looking at the quarterback performances over week four kind of and the start of the season talking about Geno Smith and his performance the performance obviously as well in there of Jared Goff but he he calls it the you know looking at the the QB hair on fire strategy and that is playing those two guys but Sean mentioned at the start of the show the strength of schedule app up on rotaviz.com those two guys being paired together and Sean that, that is something as crazy as it sounds that is something that is a combination on some of our best ball rosters maybe we had a Trey Lance and maybe we want three quarterbacks and those are the two guys that are sitting there getting us through but they kind of balance out over the course of the rest of the season in terms of when one guy has a tough matchup the other guy has a favorable matchup and so on but he looks a little bit into can they not maintain what they did over week four but can they maintain you know how they have started the season and be a viable fantasy quarterback option for you and in some leagues those guys are potential streaming options that you could look to pick up so check that out that's from blair anything blair writes i always say you must be reading it's going to help you with your fantasy football lineups but sean that is going to do it for our wednesday show here on road of his overtime we will be back with our friday edition as we really start to dive in looking ahead to nfl week five and uh, i'm looking forward to that show already hopefully people have enjoyed listening in if you're signing up over at rotaviz.com you can use the code rv radio 2022 at checkout that will get you a 10 percent discount while signing up and really that is all that we have left to say sean on today's show so uh my name is colin kelly if you want you can follow me over on twitter at over to marlin of course check out all of sean's work up on rotaviz.com until we are back with another episode have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.